Yiddishkeit consists of two primary mitos, Ahava and Yira, love and awe. The complementary nature of these two is explained by many sources as follows. Our highest conception of Hashem is as Tovu the good one who seeks to bestow goodness upon us. And the greatest goodness is the opportunity to achieve a deep personal connection with him, a rewarding relationship to the divine. Devekas, i.e. everything which Ahava connotes. However, Ahava by itself can be a loose idea, sentiment or musing, a quixotic notion, divorced from reality. For Ava to become real, it needs expression in the realm of action. It needs a system of implementation, discipline, adherence to mitzvot and Hashem's authority, i.e. everything which Yira connotes. And therefore, Yira is really a prerequisite for Ahava. The dogged rigidity of the halacha and its minutia is not to glorify rules and regulation as the end, but rather it serves as a means to ensure that there will be rewarding relationship. Based on this understanding of the indispensability of both Ahava and Yira, when we turn to the episode of Matan Torah and our Parsha, one would expect that both of these Midos be stressed. Matan Torah is, after all, the formative event in Yiddishkeit, and therefore it certainly ought to stress both Av and Yira, both of these core elemental aspects of Yiddishkeit. However, when we wipe our mental slate clean and read the Torah text with fresh eyes, a very different picture emerges. The narrative of Matan Torah begins in Parakhav Pasak Aleph, Vayedaber Elohim. Elohim spoke. As noted by Rashi here, Elohim is Hashem's attribute as a judge. He is speaking at Matan Torah not as Yudke Vavke, not by his identification of Rachamim Chesed, loving kindness, but rather as Elohim, a judge who is focused on visiting consequences, to those who perform or don't, Khalila don't perform the mitzvahs. And in the same vein, in Pasuk Hay, in the, in the actual Aseris Hadibros declarations, Hashem identifies himself as Kel Kana, which in its most literal, raw translation would read, would read I am a, a vengeful God. Certainly, it connotes his focus on Tzchar his role as a judge. 
And then we have the entire R-end scene of Matantoba. Fire, thunder, smoke, quaking and shaking. And Moshe spells out very clearly that all of this is to convey the Yira theme. As he says, Bavur nasos eschem shatia yiraso al pnechem You are quaking and shaking in order that Hashem's Yira be on your face so you will not sin. So here we have a cohesive pattern of the Yira theme at Matan Torah. And while on one level it is rewarding to trace the cohesive theme here at Matan Torah, this almost exclusive highlight on Yira rather than Ava is deeply vexing and troubling. Ahava is no less a part of Torah. And arguably ought to be even more stressed. Ahava, love, the forging of a relationship with Hashem, is really what it's all about. Why is Ava so absent at Matan Torah? And rather Yira seemingly overstressed in such imbalance. Now, there is a temptation, as with every provocative question in Torah, to seek to shunt it aside, ignore it or engage in apologetics, and taking such a route, one might want to pick up on undertones of Ahava, which they could trace at Matan Torah. For example, Midrashim, which develop an imagery of Hasana, of a wedding process between Hashem and the Jewish people at Matan Torah. However, such ideas are Midrashic, or in the realm of Drash. However, in the realm of Pshat, the literal reading of the text, as we noted before, it is clearly Yira, which is stressed as the foundation and the very fundamental perspective of Matan Torah. And therefore the question remains. And as with every powerful question, if we embrace the question, if we embrace the angst and wrestle with it, we will be well on our road to finding a deeper, more meaningful understanding. So I would begin with the assertion that it is a mistake to study Matan Torah in isolation, in a vacuum, as an event unto itself here in Sefer Shmos. Matan Torah is part of the litany of events and episodes. It is part of the longer line of the story of the Jewish people, which began in Sefer Bracious. And in Sefer Bracious, Hashem had chosen the Avos and the Imos and determined that their children who become Klal Yisrael are to be his special ones. And therefore, many Mepharshim tell us that Matan Torah to the Jewish people at Har Sinai was really a foregone conclusion once Hashem had chosen Avraham Avinu. Ramchal therefore asserts that any Midrashim about Hashem 
offering the Torah to the nations was not an overture to make them the chosen people rather than Klal Yisrael, because Klal Yisrael was certainly going to be the chosen people as per the promise to Avram. Rather, Hashem was offering the other nations an opportunity to join Klal Yisrael in their assumption of the role as chosen nation. So therefore, to really deal with Matan Torah and dig to its foundations and roots, one really needs to go back to Sefer Bracious and the story of the Avos. And I would posit one ought to study, in particular, Avram Avinu's Brismila, because as Ramban notes, it was then that Hashem really sealed the deal to make Avram the Av, the patriarch of the chosen nation. Brismila is actually quite directly corresponding to Matan Torah. Both are called a bris. Matan Torah is called a bris here in Parashios Yisrael Mishpatim, and Brismila is, of course, a bris. Additionally, the language in which Hashem speaks to Avram at Brismila, I'm going to be a God for you and your children. Directly parallels the language at Harsinai, Anochi Hashem Lokacha, I am Hashem, your God. Both of these brisos, Mila and Matan Torah, were the forging of a relationship to be our God. Leos Lechal Elokim, Anochi Hashem Lokacha. And one can probably already suspect that when we place these two side by side, Brismila and Matan Torah, what we will see beginning to take shape is the double helix that we began with, Ava and Yira. Matan Torah is, of course, the Yira focus. Brismila is going to be no less highlighting the Ava focus. And this idea is not novel. It's actually quite explicit. Rashi tells us in so many words in Parshas Lech Lecha that Brismila is Brishalahava, a covenant of love between Hashem and Avram, and ultimately Hashem and Avram's children. And we can develop Rashi's idea further. What is Brismila? Well, the act of Mila's circumcision performed in the reproductive area of the body, according to Chazal, connotes a sanctification of the realm of intimacy in our lives, ensuring that that realm of our lives not be debased, not become animalistic, but rather maintains the highest standards of what human relationship ought to be. Love, fidelity, true intimacy. That is what the act of Mila impresses upon us. Well, digging deeper, I would suggest, when Hashem attaches this act of Rasmila to 
his covenant with Avram to his relationship with Avram. He is really conveying what his relationship to Avram is all about. That his relationship to Avram is also a bond of Ahava, a love bond. That by attaching Mila, the act which shows true intimacy in human relationship, he is in turn informing Avraham and informing us, Avraham's children, what his relationship to us is. He uses this readily, viscerally accessible imagery in the flesh of a human being to in turn show brishalahava between him and us. So brismila is so clearly brishalahava. And now it joins Matan Torah, the brishalyera, to truly form what we called before the double helix, the stuff of life, of what Yiddishkeit is, the living, viable organism of Yiddishkeit, which must possess both Ahava and Yerah. And it is significant that first came Mila, first came the Brishel Ahava, because at the foundation of Yiddishkeit is Ahava, is the pursuing of a deep, rewarding bond with Hashem. That's really what it's about. The rules, the regulation, the law-giving, which is Torah, is to follow, because it is simply the means, the indispensable means, but the means to achieve the passionate drive, the exciting dream of Ahava. And furthermore, it is Brismila which is firmly established in the days of the Avos. The period of the Avos pre-nation, before we were a people, when Yiddishkeit was really the story of individuals, individuals who are finding Hashem through their own spontaneous drives, individuals who are not yet mitzvah, who are not yet commanded in Torah, any Torah which the Avos observed was a personal choice. And they would pursue it as they saw fit. As Nefesh Achayim notes in explaining why the Avos would at times violate halachas, such as Yaakov Avinu who married two sisters. Because the Avos' fulfillment of Torah was not in the fashion of Torah, as it must be observed once Torah became obligatory, with a dogged commitment, never veering. Rather the, rather the Torah, if we can call it that of the Avos, was forging a relationship to Hashem through spontaneity and personal choice, everything which Ahava is. And it was achieved in the deepest sense, or in the most primal sense, by the first of the Avos, Avraham, who is the very personification of love. Hashem calls Avram, Avram, Ohavi, Avram, my beloved. So Avram and his brismila, in shore, 
a foundation of Judaism, which is Ava-based, which is passion-based. And then, as we develop from individuals to a nation who requires a national code, a conforming system of conduct for the people to ensure that we will all be where we need to be and be on the train towards achieving Avram's dreams. We need a Torah, a law-giving system, Yira, everything which Matan Torah is about and Matan Torah conveys. So here we have Brismila and Matan Torah side by side providing an ever richer vision of Yiddishkeit, ensuring that we will have balance and health in Yiddishkeit, Ahava and Yira. Yiddishkeit will ultimately not be a rigid system glorifying rules and regulation. Rather, it espouses the exciting dream of Ahava, and at the same time ensures that that dream not become a loose sentiment musing, a quixotic idea, but one which has real expression, one that is achieved in the realm of action.